Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Is it possible to fight parasitic, otherwise known as demonic, entities by loving them? Is there some special power in Psalm 91? Are extraterrestrials actually parasites in disguise? Hey, and welcome to the 210th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, and our Monday Drive Time show on WON 1240 AM and www.onworldwide.com. I'm Ben, and asking those questions was my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Uh, we were actually doing another open line show tonight, officially anyway, to catch up on those never-ending emails, and several extremely important questions have been asked, and we're going to devote a lot of time to them. And also, wonder, uh, we have a very special co-host with us tonight, uh, surprise, uh, Father Anthony Perkins from the St. Michael's Ukrainian Orthodox Church, right here in beautiful but snowbound Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Howdy, howdy. Okay, and he's going to be helping us, because there are theological issues that come up here, and he's a very open-minded fellow, and he is grounded in some of the more ancient thinking of the Christian church. So uh, we got some questions from some Christians here, and we're going to be trying to <laughs> tackle those. So sure uh, go questions. ahead, Ben. Okay, so, um, but before we get into that, we can't forget our weekly contest. Okay, so last week's question was, what quote from the 1984 film Ghostbusters did my dad use in his book, Turning Home, God's Ghosts and Human Destiny? Well, it was the quote from character uh, Winston Zeddemore when he was interviewing for a job at the Ghostbusters headquarters. And the interviewer, uh, Janine? I think it's Janine. Uh, yeah. Asks if he believes in everything from Atlantis to the Tooth Fairy, and Wils- Winston replies, if there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe anything you say. Now, I use the quote to illustrate the dollar-dependent nature of science today. Mainstream science doesn't believe in the paranormal unless there's money to be made, as in military projects having to do with psychic warfare, etc., so, anyway, the winner was Kirsten Mullen of East Hartford, Connecticut, my hometown, uh, who also won one of the contests in December, I believe. All right, so this week's question... Way to go, Kirsten. So this week's question is, what prominent Puerto Rican politician uh, uh, reported UFOs over the Mona Passage on May 13th, 1952? Any, uh, anybody knows that off the top of their head. All right. Well, I'm going to repeat it, as a matter of fact. A little bit, a little bit of time. Go for what it. prominent Puerto Rican politician reported UFOs over the Mona Passage in May thir- on May 13, 1952? Now, I've been in the Mona Passage in the course of my service in the Coast Guard. It's a weird place, and it's, it's a body of water, which actually is between Hispaniola, where Haiti is, wonderful places like that, and, uh, and Puerto Rico. So uh, that's, um, that's where that is, but that's supposed to be a very active area. So what's the name of the politician who reported that? All right. He happened to be sitting out in the porch with his family, and all of a sudden all this stuff happened. Sorry, go ahead, Okay, so if you can handle that, call us locally at 401-766-1240 or from anywhere in the U.S. at 800-449-1240. If I don't announce a winner during the show and you still think you have a shot, drop a line to me at bennettbehindtheparanormal.com. And the winner will receive a copy of my 2002 book, Footsteps in the Attic, which is getting kind of rare because the press run is running down and uh, we are planning to reprint, but I'm not sure where the publisher is going to be yet. We're switching. All right, so our call numbers today are nationally at 800-449-1240 or locally at 401-766-1240. Let me just repeat that again, 800-449-1240 or locally at 401-766-1240. Now, our first email today concerns an extremely important subject, whether the entities we refer to as parasites, uh, most people call them demons, uh, I don't use that word because it's got a lot of theological baggage, 
um, can be fought or even changed for the better when compassion is directed at them. Now, that's something that didn't occur to me for 35 years. And in recent years, we have been experimenting in that direction with some interesting results. Now, this is from someone else who tried it, and the results were very interesting. Anyway, this is a long one, so bear with us. And I'm, I'm going to read this one here because it's full of my notes, and uh, I'll read it myself. Uh, dear Paul, I am a new listener to your show. Your show goes far beyond uh, what the average paranormal radio show has to offer. Got to get the compliments in there first. Appreciate that. Uh, and also, this, this is from Sue, and I don't, I do not know where Sue lives. She used the regular email rather than the form on the website. Anyway, very intelligent. Obviously, the depth reflects your years of experience. I am a psychic and have studied and worked in the paranormal field under the radar, so to speak, for about 30 years. My real occupation is an attorney. My daughter came under oppression, then possession, for the last three years. And I'm going to stop as we go through this and get uh, comment myself, get uh, Ben's comments and, and, and uh, Father Anthony's comments also. Now, I, people write these emails, and I know that there is just no way that they can uh, express uh, what exactly they mean by some of the words or, or to explain every single factor that's involved in the case. Uh, I would ask, uh, and, and I have asked uh, Sue to call in if she's uh, willing, uh, what, what do you mean by oppression? Who called it oppression? What was the nature of it? Same thing with possession. Uh, who diagnosed that? And what, uh, what exactly do you mean by it? All right, now, the Catholic Church has agreed uh, to perform an exorcism next month, so I guess they judged that that was the case, possession. I have had to single-handedly, with the help of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Saints, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, etc., deal with this thing during this three-year period of time. The attacks on my daughter have been similar to the ones of Guest X on your show. Just to explain that briefly for those who don't know who X is, several times in our, uh, actually twice, twice? Uh, I think so. In our two and a half years on the air, we have had a guest known as X, and we call this guest X because X is a prominent... A public figure uh, in the arts uh, in the New York City area and does not want uh, identity to be truly known, but has been the uh, victim of what we refer to as a parasite for many, many years, well over 25 years, and is uh, working with that now. Uh, anyway, uh, like the guest X on your show, a very intelligent, manipulative, violent, etc. The reason I am writing is because another guest on your show, he was a Greek Orthodox priest, who is Father Anthony. That's why we've got him in here today. He's a very good friend of ours, and, and he lives on, nearby. He uh, very kindly agreed to come in today. Uh, Orthodox priest speaking about religion and the paranormal. There was a discussion about whether the nature of a demon is fixed or could, be, could it be changed by love and compassion toward it. Uh, now, I grappled with this very question for the last two weeks at Mass and Home. I didn't know how to treat it, with a capital I, as I have named it. And then a few days ago, my daughter went into possession. All right, now, I didn't quite get this because it sounded as though the possession was kind of long-standing, and the reason ecclesiastical authorities would agree to do an exorcism would be, presumably be because of possession. So I'm a little fuzzy on the timeline here. So uh, I started calling in my saints, the Blessed Virgin Mary, etc. I began reciting the Hail Mary, and our Father, as it growled and growled at me, and said, "F you, you leave it to your imagination." I demanded it leave in the name of Jesus Christ. It told me I didn't have the power to compel it to leave. I said, quote, I am a vessel filled with love and light from the Holy Spirit, uh, that its days were numbered, 
and that it will be afflicted by torment and pain that it has inflicted on our family 100 times over. Unquote. That demon left, and another came in a woman's voice, but not my daughter's voice, and said, quote, Shouldn't you treat it with love and compassion? Unquote. I immediately said, No, you are a vile, evil spirit that tortures and torments human souls. You cannot feel compassion or human love. Your only purpose is to destroy humanity and the human soul. Then it became angry and said, quote, You psychic, you think you know about our realm, but you know nothing at all. Unquote. I said, I know and see what I am permitted to see by God, and that is all I need to know. Then it said, You psychic and your clergy are like stupid sheep blindly going through the pasture gate that I have opened for you, only to be trampled by the cows in the pasture. I don't know what kind of cows... I worked on a cow farm when I was a kid, and they're lucky their brains could generate enough energy to eat grass, never mind trampling. Anyway, I don't mean to introduce... Well, I'm sorry, it shouldn't be funny trying to be funny in introducing them to this solemn situation here. Anyway, to continue, uh, this is about what uh, was reportedly said. Uh, and uh, Sue replied, God has dominion over, even, over all even the cows. God has dominion over all even the cows. Then it left, it being the capital I. My daughter came back to consciousness and said, Mom, is that you? Why are you calling me at 4.30 in the morning? I know I haven't seen the last of it. It's been quiet for a few days. My point is that this demon used a plea for compassion and love as a clever and dangerous tactic to get me to back down, hence tying into our discussion about this. I would only ask that the Holy Spirit fill my heart with love and light when dealing with them. The interesting thing is that it knew this was the very issue I prayed about for two weeks prior. I then, <clears throat> I thought you might be interested by this situation. I liken spiritual warfare to a chess game. You make your move, then there is a counter move, tactic or strategy, or simply the law of physics. For every force, there is an opposite and opposing force. Anyway, I believe that having love and compassion for these things is a slippery slope because I've used it against, uh, I've had it used against me this past week. Furthermore, if God created all things both good and evil, why would we want to mess with his perfection? A lot of things to comment on here. I'm going to give uh, the floor to Father Anthony, but I just want to say one thing. You know, Sue, I learned long ago not to have arguments with these things. You, you, you know, that might have been the first misstep here. Okay, so I, I'm, Father, what, what's your... Yeah, I would second what you said, Paul. The Interacting with a, a con man is a, is exactly. a bad idea. And these things, whether you want to call them demons or parasites or whatever, um, they are manipulative. Um, from what I've read, many of them are brilliant. Oh, Some yeah. of them are just, you know, forces, but they're brilliant and have only one purpose, and that's to to pick your your spiritual wallet, right? That's right. And <laughs> and so, you know, if if you knew that that was someone's only purpose was to steal your wallet, you know, yes, I reckon you could try to turn them away from their life of crime, mm-hmm. but. You probably shouldn't. You probably should just <laughs> guard your wallet and not interact with him. Um, this is the when we had that discussion about a year ago. Um, you know, we talked about how the issue wasn't settled within the, the Eastern Orthodox Church. You know, we don't know for sure about demons because their story is not our story. Right. And and you know there are clues in Scripture and in tradition, um, but not enough to come up with a dogma about demons or even about angels. Uh, so the question of whether their nature is fixed is, 
still open. Now, the majority view is that it is fixed, that somehow these demons had full, or if demons are fallen angels, that's another story, but that the, the angels had full knowledge of what they were rebelling against, and as a result, their their decision was fixed. Um, well, okay, it's not dogma, but it sure is good advice, because if you treat them as if they are pure evil, you're going to be safer than, it, than if you think that you have the strength and the ability and the calling to somehow evangelize them. Yeah, that it is, well, you know, in... I'm trying to think back to my church history here. Uh, first of all, Ben, do you have a, what do you say? You're a man of few words, but you usually have good words worth listening to. You say. Well, you see, uh, well, everything that's already been, that can be said has already been said, except that it's not wise to just take on a parasite by yourself unless you're yeah. fully confident in your abilities. If you can, I mean, that's that's wonderful. I mean, that's good that you can do that. But usually being overconfident isn't good, and conversing with it isn't the best idea. Because I've done that, and it's made things a whole lot harder. And even when the recent work I've done, as you've noticed, uh, there's been little to no exchange of anything right. that has been going on with all the stuff I've been doing, which I'd love to talk about, but I won't, because it's with a bunch of close friends and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's, you just, just don't, just, I don't know, just don't evangelize, because they won't listen, and they'll try and trick you, as hard as, as hard as you might. Well, one of the reasons we had the discussion in the first place was not only the, uh, the idea that was battered around in the early church, and in the East, anyway, was never really solved, uh, was... If God is all loving and all things will come into union at the end, why can't these creatures repent as well? Now, uh, one answer that I might have for that is because they, they are not human. They're, they're na- at least the ones I've run into over the past 40 years or so. Uh, and they, their nature is to feed off other creatures, like mosquitoes, only they're very intelligent. I mean, they may have no other choice. One that we... What's kind of prompted the discussion recently was in Inland, was uh, Indiana, yeah, and was dealing with someone we were helping, trying to help, and was apologizing for the way it had to live, and wished it didn't have to live that way. Now that's something. Well, if it was sincere, exactly. If it was sincere, and I go back to the idea of the con man. Um, my, I, I spent twenty years in the in in the army, army reserves, and I started out as an interrogator. And what you learn how to do is how to manipulate people. Now, honestly, folks, there's there's nothing about uh, torture or anything in any of the training for the for the army interrogators. It was all about psychology, how to figure out what people's um, desires were, what their fears were, and then just manip- manipulate them psychologically so that you could get a desired outcome. This is the same thing that salesmen do and so on. So I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time as a political scientist and as an interrogator and now as a clergy trying to figure out how people get manipulated. Now, so I can help protect them, right? <laughs> and the, the demons are masters at this. By all accounts. And so I don't think that, that you can take them seriously at, at anything they say. Um, so I really don't understand what the, the value of, of a conversation, unless it is your calling. Um, I, I yeah. agree with Ben and Paul. It's about yeah, it. we have never advocated conversations with these things. Oh, what God. we were, well, I say experimenting or trying, was simply to 
we always advise love as the ultimate solution. Absolutely. You know, and to convey as you are bringing your family together, as you are coming together with, with your loved ones, with your friends, with others, uh, to form a defensive perimeter, if you will, yes. you, at the same time, will uh, or could direct love and compassion without without words, without conversations, toward these other entities, because if, if for no other reason, because they seem repelled by it. Yeah. Well, yeah, if I can bring a little bit of, of specific theology into it, <laughs> I know it's going to drive some of your listeners crazy, but oh, you know, in the, right. in, the, uh, in the Eastern Church, we just celebrated Theophany, which, Epiphany. And in the in the Greek church, that's not about the wise men, it's about the baptism. And what is great about all the hymnography and the poetry and stuff is, uh, is about how holiness changes the world around it. So in, in the Old Testament, you get prophecies about how creation would change around the Messiah when he came. And then in a lot of our hymnography for theophany, for the baptism, it, it says like the Jordan turned back. And it says, you know, all the dragons within the water were forced back, you know. So it's, it's this idea that evil cannot stand to be in the presence of, of goodness. So if we you can that plant ourselves, right, yeah. right, absolutely. So, um, yeah, and <laughs> it's a, if you don't believe it, try that experiment on your friends, you know, when they're, when they're <laughs> mean to you, respond, re, re, respond with goodness. Exactly. With peace. Yeah. And, Respect is everything. Yeah. Teach it by doing it. Right. Know? But anyway, what, there's one question behind all this that really, and having had experience as a Roman Catholic seminarian and as an Orthodox seminarian, I've seen the two different worldviews, and they are very different. They are. And I'm always talking about Eastern thinking as opposed to Western thinking. Well, you know, Eastern thinking isn't perfect, but it's a little broad, a little more broad-minded. One of the th- questions that arose for me here in, uh, in the uh, letter that Sue wrote was... What, if you already have protection, see, we are Ben and I feel very protected. Yes, you know, our our home is like a, a spiritual fortress, and nothing bothers us really. There, you know. Yeah. Um, there, there are people who come to you for help and stuff, but that's another story. Yeah. But I, I don't know why. If she has all this protection from the saints and the Virgin Mary, and, and you, you do, all you have to do is ask. I mean, I, I, as the Virgin Mary, I take very seriously as a tremendously powerful protector. Uh, meaning no offense to Father Anthony, some people might say, well, it's ISIS. I mean, the, your heart is with her. You have different names, maybe, if you want to say that. Uh, obviously not towing the theological line here, but people will do that, and a lot of our listeners follow that. But the point is, if you have all this protection immediately, why did this possession, if it is a possession, take place in the first place? I kind of wonder, what's, what's fallen through the cracks here? Where's the gap? What's the problem? And I'm wondering, again, I'll go back to my first question, how was this oppression, which is generally considered to be uh, the entities, the demons, or if you will, are coming after you, and possession, which is the next step after that. Uh, but, of course, we... In in my work, uh, I have often said that people, for a possession to take place, have to tacitly, somewhere, somehow, agree to it. Maybe they've been fooling around with something they shouldn't. Or I often go back to you know Jonathan Harker standing at Dracula's castle door, and Dracula says, 
entered of your own free will. The guy had to go in, technically speaking, it's an old, old, old bit of folklore that the vampire can't grab you. Uh, you have to have a certain amount of tacit agreement, no matter how down deep it is. And I found that with these things, too. Uh, they can't just come in and take you over. And thank God for that. So it's, um, I don't, these are all questions that arise, Sue, and if, if you want to call in or you want to write back to us at some future point, please do so. Now, there is a second part, and I asked someone else to call, and we have a second uh, email, which I'm going to, um, well, actually, um, yeah, Lisa was going to call in about this particular issue. Let, let's go to Lisa's, and we, we, I think we'll go back maybe later to the second part, not to confuse things, but I don't want to inconvenience Lisa. She's going to call in. Uh, a reminder, of course, of the number uh, nationally, 800-449-1240 and uh, locally, 401-766-1240. And we're going to take a break in a few minutes. But let me just read this email here to get uh, get us going on the second one here. Uh, this is from Lisa. And, I, again, I don't know where Lisa's from. This was sent by uh, another means. Uh, Paul, have you addressed the mass animal die-offs that have been happening around the world? If so, which podcast? Well, actually, uh, Lisa, to tell you the truth, we addressed it on our CBS show last night uh, with David Wilcock. Very interesting show. That podcast is up at BehindTheParanormal.com for uh, January 23rd. Uh, Also, uh, Donna Vole, who is a good friend of ours, we've been on her show frequently and she's been on ours, uh, had me pray the following prayers to shift the energy in my home. I was dubious, but I did it anyway. I chose uh, different prayers uh, to read every night, but always read the last one, Psalm 91. Uh, sometimes I only read Psalm 91. My husband sneered at me and said, do you really think those things are going to help you? Unquote. Well, after approximately one year of reading them, he could not stand the positive shift in the energy of my home and left. Much like we were saying with the... Yeah people. You "You do not realize how much of a miracle this was for me and my children. My divorce was finalized today. He is now my ex-husband. And, um, oh, do we have Lisa on the line? Oh, very good. Well, hi, Lisa. Good timing. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. (laughs) Good. Okay, well, I'm reading this here, and I haven't got to the part where I guess uh, you're referring to our friend Caleb uh, Tovar in Mexico, who writes in about this. But let's deal with the first part. Uh, first of all, you know, we're always sorry to hear of a, of a, a marriage that, that, that goes bad, but, you know, these things do happen. Can you tell us more about the negativity of the situation? And uh, Father Anthony is here as well. I guess you've been listening as we go, and you're certainly welcome to ask, uh, ask him any questions as well. I'm sorry we couldn't get a Roman Catholic priest, but I'm trying to get Father, Father Bob Bailey, but he's not quite as available uh, oh, in such short wonderful. notice. Oh, he's wonderful. Who you have is wonderful. No, it, 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 it lasted for a very long time. I mean, I was married for 16 years. Um, 13 of those years was basically a living nightmare. Um, a lot, a lot of different things were going on. Um, uh, you know, first of all, the, the just, you know, abusive. He would, he would come home from work and immediately, you know, me and the kids would be sitting home and watching TV or everybody would be happy and quiet. And as soon as he would come in the house, he would immediately have to start trouble. Um, and, you know, the man's 41 years old. It was just bizarre. And he, every year, um, he, he started out, there's so much, but he started out a long time ago, uh, started calling me names, you know, just out of nowhere. I mean, th- there was nothing wrong as far as I knew. Um, would start calling me names. And, and two years of that, I, I just tried to ignore it. And every year it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, there was sleep sex, 
um, where I could tell it was definitely not him, <laughs> even though it was him. Yeah. Um, he would, there was one time we were talking about something, and he just stopped and looked at me and just basically growled at me, don't F with me. And I was about a foot away from him, and I swear to you, his eyes were black. And I knew there was something there, and so I laughed, but I backed off because I thought, I'm not pushing this thing, whatever it is. Um, um, he, um, anytime, it, 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 it just, to, to, overall, it's like whenever we were happy or things were nice and quiet, he would constantly have to cause trouble. He wasn't happy unless one of us were crying or he was tormenting the kids until they would want to hit him, and then he'd step back and laugh about it. And um, But supposedly at work he'd be a perfectly normal person <laughs> and then just come home to do this. And I would, for years I was putting up with this, and I would try different things. I would try to be really nice to him, and, and that didn't work. I'd try to ignore it. That didn't work. Um, and like I said, first the 13 years is a very long time to have to deal with stuff like this. And um, I started realizing that I wanted to. I I, I was um, Donna Vol of Spirit Connections. When she lived in Ohio, I was in her meditation class. Okay. And we lost touch after she moved out of state. And I found her online again, and I asked her what I could possibly do. To, to push the energy forward because it seemed like I was maybe clearing out the negative energy that was there, but he could immediately put more negative energy right back into the house, you know, every day when he would come home. I'd clear it out, and then he'd come home. And I was, um, you know, I'd pray every night. I would, when he, if he would scream at me and he was yelling at me or tormented the kids, I sometimes you're so upset, all you can think of is one word, and I would repeat love, 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 or Mm-hmm. You know, God's peace or, you know, something in my head over and over again to try to make him at least go away. You know, go in the basement, leave everybody alone. And um, Donna uh, made me some uh, portraits, angel portraits that she does and uh, for everyone in the family. And I hung them in everyone's room, you know, and, and um, just constantly just kept trying, you know, to not be dragged down to his level because he was constantly trying to get people to us to fight with each other all the time yeah and um it just kept happening and when he was a child he used to tell me he told me about things that happened to him that when he was living in an apartment building he would he saw this witch or he saw this uh uh like demon that scratched his back one time or he was reading a book and the pages the people the kids in the book came to life and we're telling him to come play and <laughs> all this stuff. And, and we've seen orbs, you know, like orbs in the house. I have not seen them. My young daughter, she used to see orbs all the time. He said he saw orbs outside, you know, with, the, with their eyes, you know, colored orbs. And um, there was just so much going on. And, and, and as I was talking to Donna about it, I said, I need, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I need something else to push all this negative energy out, you know, over the top. I'm missing something. Yeah. And um, then she, that's when she suggested I read um, the uh, spiritual warfare prayers that is um, off this website called The Catholic Warrior. And I started reading those every night, and it took me about, it was about a year or a year and a half. I 
was reading different prayers off of um, those pages, and um, and I'd always read Psalm 91 because Psalm 91's on there, and then I would read different ones um, throughout there, and I think those are prayers that they say at exorcisms. I'm not sure, um, but I, well, I it said, depends. Yeah, I'm not sure. And yeah, I the, the, those, the, the Roman Catholic form of exorcism is very institutionalized and ritualized. Yeah, I'm not, you know, but but I kept reading them, and, and sometimes I would be upstairs and just trying to stay away from him, and he would come upstairs for no reason just to look at me and say to me, you know, do you really think those are going to help you? Yeah. Can, can I just I, stop you here, uh, Lisa, sure. for a minute? Uh, we're going to take a commercial break, but we'll be right back. Uh, with Lisa and Father Anthony and the rest of us here in our happy little group, and we're going to uh, try and address Lisa's uh, Lisa's issues. Stay with us. Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, WON, 1240 AM, com. Stay with us. Hi, this is Lou Mandeville, and if you like your sports with an attitude or want the best local sports coverage, tune in to my sports reports Monday through Friday on the Morning Fun Show with Dave Richards. All the sports you need to get your day started only on ON 1240. Hi, this is Don Brunell inviting you to join me for ON Midday, weekdays from noon to 2, right here on ON 1240 Radio. We've got Gold Cots guests in our daily super quiz. The Midday Show, right here on ON, local radio at its best. And we are back behind the paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with our special uh, guest host today, Father Anthony Perkins of uh, St. Michael's Ukrainian Orthodox Church here in beautiful Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And we are talking with Lisa. And Lisa, what state do you live in? Ohio. Ohio. Okay. I like Ohio. Sometimes people from Ohio look at me when I say that, but I really like Ohio. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we've been been hearing Lisa's story. And uh, Lisa, I wanted to ask you one thing. Did any other phenomena occur other than your husband's evil nature, seemingly. Uh, were there apparitions? You mentioned orbs uh, mm-hmm. and, and the black eye. The, the, there's eyes turning black, that sort of thing. Uh, can you recall any other phenomena that might have occurred outside of him in the house? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've lived in this house for 25 years. It belonged to my great-great-aunt. Um, I've had a lot of things happen. Before my children were born, I was walking into the one-bedroom I put something in the closet and came back and just was, like, pushed back. I hit this wall of energy. It was the weirdest thing that ever happened to me. I was yeah, just walking there, normally and, and hit it. In the, it was in the middle of the room. There was nothing there, and it kind of pushed me back. And I stopped for a minute, and then, you know, I went to reach out, and it, it, it wasn't there anymore. Um, I've had clocks um, go off, the kind of clocks that you have to wind with two different keys and, you know, then you have to hit the pendulum. Um, hadn't wound them in, you know, months and months, and then wake up 3 o'clock in the morning, and you can hear the tick-tick of the clocks downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get up in the morning, and, you know, they're not working. Um, my my daughter, she's 15 now. When she was younger, she would constantly tell me that she would run around and um, play by the milk chute. She'd go and, and run and open it and laugh and then close it and run away. And she, 
I'm like, you know, what are you doing? And she says that, oh, she was playing with, she thought it was my cousin. She said, I'm playing with her. Well, you know. Invisible <laughs> friend sort of thing? Right, exactly. Yeah, okay. And um, and she would tell me that, well, she, she would tell me that she would see my grandmother and, again, my cousin in the bathroom. She'd be like, why are they in the bathroom? And she would see them, and she she was big on seeing orbs a lot. Like she didn't know yeah. what they were. She so a lot, a lot of active energies in this house, so to speak. Yeah, okay. I well, think I just, so. We're yeah. burning up time here. I don't mean to cut you short, but I'm going to turn you over to Father Anthony. Yeah. Hey, Lisa. Um, thank God. God bless you that you you found peace in your home because that's so important. I mean, our homes have to be peaceful. They have to be a, a refuge for us. And we call yeah. them the little church, you know. And and if you've got Someone coming in whose only purpose is to bring disorder and chaos and hatred and and who knows what kind of wickedness. Then you you have no refuge. So the fact that you came through that and and are well now is a, is a tribute to your faith. So God bless you. Well, thank you. I just wanted to make sure everybody you know maybe had access to those prayers because I think that was the last bit of you know positive energy that I needed to actually make him uncomfortable enough to where he actually left. Right, and, yeah, and Psalm, and ni- Psalm 91 is, is a wonderful prayer, and we say it in a, in a lot of our, um, our communal worship and also our individual worship. Um, and in fact, uh, when, when a reader, which is a minor order of cleric, is tonsured, he will often be given a belt that has, we call it Psalm 90 because we order the psalms differently, but it has that psalm written on it and he will wear it around his, his waist. I, I have a leather belt with, with Psalm 90 on it and it's a reminder of the protection that God offers to his faithful. Um, so it's a beautiful psalm and it, you know, people get on to more traditional um, Christians, uh, Catholics and Orthodox for having these written prayers, right? They believe, some people believe that all your prayers should be spontaneous and, and ad hoc. But we believe that there is, the reason that we read these is because powerful spiritual warriors are the ones who, who put them down for us. And those of us who are less powerful, less wise, uh, can rely on them and, and, and the peace that they provide. So I, I agree with you. People do, do need to find these resources and keep them available in their homes. Very good. Right, and, and not to give up either. I mean, it took me, like I said, it was about a year or a year and a half of me reading them, and I just kept reading them every night, you know, and doing everything else that I was doing. And eventually, although he swore he would never leave, and he was, you know, he, he just up and left one day. <laughs> yeah, and, we, and we don't just do this when, when the times are hard either. You know, this, right. is, this is part of our, we call it a, a prayer rule, but that makes it sound like it's some kind of imposition. We make it part of our routine, you know, along with... Uh, you know, all the other things that we do, getting breakfast in the morning, making our coffee. We, we say our prayers in the morning so that we, we, we sanctify our house. We sanctify our time through these prayers. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to do. And I, I think, be, you know, I wanted to give, uh, I wanted to give Ben a chance to comment as well. Me? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, you did a good job. Okay, man, a few words. Yeah, it's just just that, you know, because I pray every night. I've been praying every night since I was 12 years old. And it was just, I think think that that's really wonderful unless you have some kind of specific negativity that you really have to fight. And then... That's where these spiritual warfare prayers came in. Well, and Lisa, too, really I, I just, if, if I may, I just wanted to read the, the last paragraph of your, your email, which proves that this is for everybody. 
Okay. Right. Uh, quote: I was baptized Catholic, confirmed as a Lutheran, but basically operated as an eclectic Wiccan who loves Jesus Christ. So you don't have to be a strict Catholic for these to work. Right. <laughs> I think love is the operative word. No. No. And that's why I thought that these particular prayers, they just they, they do have a power of their own. You know, yeah. not everything is like that, but I think these particular prayers do. Mm. Yeah, and there's another thing you did that, that's very powerful, and that is um, putting icons of angels in the rooms of the house. You know, these aren't just reminders that, that there are holy ones watching over and protecting us. Um, you know, it's... Uh, it, it's more than that. You know, it's windows in, into heaven, windows into another reality that interacts with our own. That's right. And, cr- and crosses, too, which when I, you know, when I moved in and when I had the children, everybody has their own cross in their bedroom. And looking back now, it's a good thing I did that. It's, I think it was an unconscious thing that I did for protection, and I think that, along with everything else, really did help us. And when we have dealt with many, many different kinds of people, and we always look to their own spiritual tradition to help them, and uh, with the Jews, Muslims, uh, you know, it, it, there, there are tools that can be used that have power. But again, it all comes down to love, God's love, love and our love. That's yeah, that's one of the things that really impresses me about Paul and Ben. You know, I, I see it as a ministry. They're very pastoral in their approach to this. They're out to, to help people sure and meet money. people where they are. Well, <laughs> No, no, no one in the in the true ministry does, Paul. <laughs> right. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for calling in, and uh, keep us posted on how things are going. And again, congratulations for getting things uh, more positive in your house. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Very good. Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye. Okay. Now we're going to. Uh, I guess we had another caller who was trying to get through, but when, uh, until they do, I wanted to get to the second part of Sue's letter here. This came in just uh, Saturday. And I wanted to include it in what we're dealing with today. We're kind of coming down to the wire here, but we'll get through as much as we can. Uh, dear Paul, you can use this. You can use the letter, but please, not our names. Of course not. We don't usually do that. Uh, I want to remain confidential for all parties at stake. Uh, to, add, to add to your experiments with compassion to Parasite's approach, here's what happened last night. I was basically involved in an over-the-phone five-hour deliverance with IT. It was extremely aggressive. I'm just a little curious about the telephone here. I mean, it sounds as though you were talking to it over the phone. I doubt that. that you must be talking to someone else. Anyway, I'm sure because uh, the deliverance is scheduled for early next month, meaning, I guess, the exorcism you referred to by the Roman Catholic authorities. It was one of the worst episodes yet. It spoke another language, sang songs, mocked me, doing anything it could do to stop me from my constant praying. You know what that reminds me of? The Bell Witch situation. You know, the uh, entities in Tennessee in the early 1800s who tortured this family psychologically and sometimes even physically and turned out to be, in our interpretation, at least four different entities who'd been around the area for centuries because the local uh, mound builder population had practiced human sacrifice, supposedly. It's a long story, but that sounds to me like what this was. Uh, anyway, it told me violently, physically, and graphically what it would do to my daughter and I during the deliverance, meaning, I suppose, the exorcism. I kept praying. It seemed like it, w- it, seemed like it was over after almost five hours. Then my daughter was completely exhausted, crawled into bed, and with me still on the phone. All right. I'm still a little fuzzy on the phone business here, Sue, but... I remember my own experience when I learned the hard way that you must be very calm as much as possible in dealing with these things. And the Bridgeport 
Connecticut poltergeist outbreak of 1974, and I've referred to this several times on the show, I was reading a prayer. It was an agathist or a prayer in praise of Jesus Christ. Very simple, out of a book. And the little girl who was the, the main victim of this thing or these things was, was standing right next to me. As I read this prayer, uh, four of these entities, you could see almost gauzy structures coming down the little hallway into the living room where there was me, a reporter, and the immediate family, and a neighbor. There were about five of us in this room, and then a little girl and myself. And this thing, one of them walked right up to me, and I began to get, I knew it was after the little girl. I started to get angry, and despite the fact that I was reading a prayer, it got stronger, because I was getting angry. And I even said the prayer with a certain amount of anger, the thing got around me, and, and th- that's when I, this is, this is the incident I often refer to, when it pushed me, and I pushed back, and I felt bone structure, which, aside theologically, was, was uh, the, the, the thing that really got me wondering about the multiverse idea, that these are physical worlds right next to ours where these non-human creatures live. And uh, I, I, it got around me and threw the little girl across the room. And again, uh, I, I, the, the power got so strong, probably from my anger, that I pulled everybody out of the house, and we had to let it calm down before we went back in again. We have a caller? Okay, we have a caller. Uh, hi, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Hello. Um, uh, hello? Hello. Yes, hello. Um, I have had a question. Well. Okay, it's kind of a rough connection here, but go ahead, uh, maybe speak a little slowly. Okay. I had a question. Um, I had called in to, I was in a similar situation to what both of your uh, emails, the first two emails, described. Okay. And... I prayed and prayed, and I believe it all started with an influx of illegal immigrants in the 1970s, and now we have cold weather, and I believe it will continue until the illegal immigrants go back where they came from. Well, if if they come from Lapland, I might agree with that. (laughs) They don't want to go back because it's colder there than it is here, but it's going to be... It's going to stay cold. All right. Well, I think we'd probably be more interested in hearing about your own experience with the negative, uh, you know, such as we read on, on the air tonight. Well, it started with um, a forgery. Okay. Fraudulent, fraudulent documents. Okay. So, can I ask what state you live in? I live in Rhode Island. Oh, Rhode Island. Okay. You were in our local listening area then. Okay. Yes. All right. It started with forged documents by somebody who was older than my father. And um, he went after both my mother and me and just caused problems for more than 10 years in a row with my insurance. When I, when I was engaged, it caused problems with my fiancé. Okay. I, 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 I don't mean to be interrupting you here, but it's just, uh, it, th- these are things that could be obviously caused just by nasty people. Yes. Uh, we're not saying here that... that Parasites or demons are behind everything that's nasty. We, we have plenty of nastiness in ourselves and that's have to take personal responsibility for our own problems. Yeah. All right. All right. So, um, okay. Actually, well, I'm going to suggest you drop us a line. Okay. Right to us. Uh, yeah, just Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com because we're kind of running out of time. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for calling. Thank you. Okay. All right. You know, this, this uh, does point one of the challenges in doing this kind of, of work is it shows how complex our mind is and how that complexity, I think, sometimes gets in the way. 
Uh, we, we connect dots that often shouldn't be connected. Well, well, that's true. Or, so, or sometimes... Or uh, misconnecting dots. In, in fairness <laughs> to this caller, there have been plenty of times uh, when people have called in you know, with routine problems, mm-hmm. and really nasty things have happened to them, and they keep happening yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, beyond the, the bell curve, so to speak, you know, kind of beyond the, the uh, law of averages. Oh, I was and, speaking of the observation, the correlation between illegal immigration and, and global... Oh, that one, yeah. Global. Well, I'm no fan of illegal immigration, but I don't know if... Uh, you know, uh, I, I it's just. Um, I mean, I'm sure you know people who have come into the country. I do too, and very often they're the salt of the earth. But I mean, you know, to have an orderly society, one can, you know, w- w- we don't get into political issues. Anyway, uh, I, I don't know. Regardless of the causes of the problems, uh, there have been situations where routine problems have, at times, we have found. Uh, had a paranormal factor right. in there, whether it be uh, very often this takes the form of parasitical entities who have stayed with a family for generations. And and the most likely way that they are going to affect people is through others. I mean, the usual yeah. agency is yeah, and you whatever know, to, buttons right to they push need people's to push buttons in order to eat. That's what yeah. Happens. And and in the um, you were saying about how the the. The Eastern and Western Christian traditions are different in terms of how they handle exorcisms, how they handle demons in general. And in the East, it's you know generally classified as spiritual warfare. But if you read one of the classic books, which is the Filioque, uh, it's actually a four-volume set in English. It's really about how to keep, like when you were reading that Akathist, you were you were tempted away from love. You were tempted yeah, away from exactly. peace, yeah. and about how to manage that process, how to keep yourself. Centered, mm-hmm. how to be mindful continually. Which brings us right back to the very premise we began with. Yep. Love and how how do you use it or do you use it against, for, or with... Amen, brother. <laughs> these, uh, yeah, these parasites. Had I kept nothing but love in my heart as much as possible, those things would not have strengthened and chased us out of the house. Right? Now, regardless of the approach that we took to them, per, you know, I did not try to preach to them, although there were fathers of the Eastern Church Gantius who would of preach to the demons. Yeah, Yelling at Demons, I think, is the name of the book. You yeah, know, if, right. if a demon does this, here's the scripture to yell at him. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. But again, approaching every, I think, uh, just as uh, the unity I talk about in my last book is uh, the unity that we all uh, must return to, or that's already already there. We have to recognize uh, is 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 indiscriminate and universal. And I, I, I really believe that we share the life of every other living thing, including the parasites. There is a factor there that I think we cannot ignore. And and, and I know that when we had Father Bob Bailey on, whom I love dearly, uh, and being very familiar with the Roman Catholic approach to this, it is authority hmm. that is used. And Jesus talks about that in the Gospels, authority, and you lay that on the demons. Right, which was what we got in that first email. Right. You know, someone claiming, I have the authority to do this. Well, then you end up arguing with the things, and that's always a bad idea. So, a comment, as you say. So, I think that when you have love in your heart, you can't go wrong. And that's one of my my main uh, responses to skeptics when they show up when I'm lecturing. And uh, they'll say, well, it's all, you know, you're using the storybook approach to quantum mechanics and all this stuff. And I said, look, we advise people to have love in their hearts, to come together with their families, to take hands, to laugh together. I mean, 
even if you don't believe in any of this, what harm can there be in that? Yeah. Only good can come from that. Yeah, yeah. So the bottom line is love. Yeah, there was this uh, book that came out a couple of years ago uh, written by a journalist named Boglio uh, called The Right. And it's getting turned into a movie, but the, the, the snips I've seen of it just don't look anything like the book. But yeah, somehow that it, It's about uh, this journalist who was allowed to attend the Vatican's exorcism school. Okay, and he attended many exorcisms. Uh, but what I thought was, was funny was towards the end, he went and visited a priest that he had gone through this school with who had be, been appointed as a diocesan uh, exorcism out in California. And he's like, how's, how's it going? He said, well, you know, it's, it's tough because what you're really telling people, ideally you get in during like the oppression stage, right? Yeah. And so what do you tell them? You tell them exactly what you said. You know, bring harmony into your family. And because he's a Roman Catholic priest, he says, go to Mass, take confession, take communion, you know, do, say the rosary. Mm-hmm. And, and people didn't want anything. They didn't want to hear that. He said, if I had told them to stand out in their front yard naked, standing on one foot, waving a chicken around their head, they'd have done it. That's right. But if you tell them to love each other, love your love God, love your neighbor, it's they like... They don't get it. No. I remember you said that when we went through... We had, you had a, a, a seminar in the paranormal yeah. parish with Father Maximus, a good, right. good friend of ours. And... Um, I said, I'm going to use that line. I'm glad you did. That's great. It's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, you tell them anything crazy, they'll do it, but you tell them to do something as as common sense and basic as that, and they they just don't get it. So maybe we we tell them to say those prayers in Klingon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, because I've always found, and it very often depends on the generation, I very often found that people just... Especially of older, the older generation, I guess, uh, would want you to come in and fix it. Right. Not not you, not you, Mr. Producer. <laughs> they want you to come in and fix it. And it doesn't work that way. Yeah. They, they're part of the problem. They have to be part of the solution. So it's a matter of education as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll come in and I'll, I'll bless a house. That's what I'm doing this time of year. We do that after theophany. Um, and should should they expect there to be more peace and harmony after a priest visits and blesses a house? Well, yeah, I mean, we believe yeah. that. But is it going to stay peaceful if they bring, you know... All kinds of nonsense into their into their their uh, you know on their computers on their TVs you know it's no of course not. Yeah, chime in here if you have any. Well, I don't know. You guys are going going nuts. Going gangbusters here. <laughs> so. Oh, well, we're not nuts. Not nuts. I don't know. No. I can't think of a good adjective. Well, you remember that case? You you were involved. You went over method on your own uh, to Attleboro and the, Attleboro, Massachusetts. Well, Foxborough, Massachusetts, right? And there was one kid in the family who had kind of separated, I guess, I think it was, I don't know if it was a daughter or a son, separated son. himself from the family. Uh, I suppose he was messing around with Ouija boards, this kind of thing. And he, but, so this, this, this unity has to pretty much include everybody. Yeah. And this is, and people say, well, well, people ask how you and I have the kind of relationship we have. I said, you start, and we're going to do a whole show on parents, you know, how to react when your kid is involved in the occult or whatever. And I'll give you a little preview. You start from before day one, they are in the womb. You talk to them. You tell them you love them. When they, they arrive, you do the same thing, and you set a schedule. It's simple as that. And you have the big R word, and that's respect. People in the family do not are not allowed to call each other names, are not allowed to disunite. And when you raise them with that even comes before love. And respect is everything. 
day one, because the longer you wait before you establish it, the harder it's going to be, and you're going to lose it. So that's what we did in our family, despite all our other mistakes. You know, we have respect for each other. Yes. You know, and um, the cat may be a possible exception from time to time, but anyway, you get the point. So there we are. What uh, we got? Uh, I don't think we have any more time for any more emails. Although I will, I think we have a few more minutes. I'd like to continue uh, reading uh, the second part of Sue's email here. Uh, this was now she's having this conversation, and the daughter uh, awoke, um, was completely exhausted, crawled in the bed uh, with me still on the phone. Apparently, she's on the phone with this entity, which is something I don't say I can't say I've run into too often. Uh, she then told me she could see thirteen sets of red eyes staring at her from the other room. One of the entities moved forward toward her and came into her bedroom. She described it, okay, as uh, inhuman, gray, bony. Elongated arms and legs with tight and stretched skin on the bones with red eyes. And I'm going to leave it there because that starts sounding like grays. Grays. Aliens. Um, So I think we're not quite finished with Sue here, but uh, this gets more and more complicated. So anyway. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. And uh, thank everyone who. We only get through at least one email a show. And. Well, we, uh, Lisa was lucky. Pete, at least <laughs> was her lucky. this time. People get into uh, some deep, deep areas here, and they require responses. That's the thing. You know, with the with the Greys, I think there there. This comes from psychology, and also from a, a writer named Father Seraphim Rose. What our minds do when they when they they can't understand what they're seeing is they'll impose order on it. That's and right. right now, one of the ways to impose order on unknown things is they're Greys. Okay. Uh, So, uh, many thanks to our producer, Craig Palatier, and we'll see you next Monday, January 31st, right here on WON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific, for a look at the controversial legacy of author George Adamski, uh, allegedly the first UFO contactee of the 1940s and 50s flying saucer craze. And our guest will be Dutch author and Adamski apologist Gerard Artson. Now, uh, those of you who are of my vintage might remember George Adamski uh, as a person who wrote several books and, and introduced the term Space Brothers into the language. So he'll, that'll be interesting. Uh, this will be a pre-recorded interview because of the time difference between here and Amsterdam. So if you have any questions for Mr. Artson, please get them to us uh, no later than tomorrow night, Tuesday night, uh, paul at behindtheparanormal.com or use the question form on the show website. Okay, so next week is our end of the behind... At the end of the month, Behind the Paranormal Marathon, starting with our two-hour monthly special on Sunday, January 30th on AchieveRadio.com at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. This will be our Return to Rendlesham Encore show with interviews from the actual, right. uh, from the uh, actual return of the witnesses to the UFO site last month. Key witnesses John Burroughs and Jim Penniston will be joining us live to comment as we... We'll have a few other guests. Yeah, we'll continue that on CBS Sunday night. So we're out of here. And oh, it's also time to thank Father Anthony for being with us tonight. Always a pleasure. Okay, a good, simple, common-sense thought from 19th-century American author Henry Ward Beecher. Quote, no matter what looms ahead, if you can eat today, enjoy the sunlight today, mix good cheer with friends today, then enjoy it and bless God for it. Thank Unquote. you for joining us on tonight's show. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.